You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz studios, live in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Chatting with Kathy. It looks like a <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Kathy Kelly. This is Chatting with Kathy, and of course, Bing is for doing... We are doing another episode. Today, joining us in studio is Chudi Tu. Chudi, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. I'm honored. (laughs) (laughs) And amongst many things, you are an actress, a writer, and a producer. You were in Sally Field's directorial debut, Beautiful. You had many supporting roles in independent features, and you were in, you had a reoccurring role in 24. I mean, the list goes on and on. Dragnet, The Closer, I can go on for days. <laughs> um, Feel so, free to go on for days. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, General Hospital, Days of Our Lives. Um, and you're also in the upcoming film, The Internship with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson that premieres June 7th. Yes. So Very excited. So go out and watch it. Yes, it's definitely. It's hysterical. I I can't not wait to watch it. I saw the trailer and it looks fabulous. Oh, nonstop laughter when we went to the premiere. My husband and I, I. It it was it was such a pleasant surprise because you're never sure when you're you are involved in a project. You're like, okay, I hope it's funny. I hope it's good. You have no idea how it's going to be edited, etc. And I had actually read the script, and it's it's such a neat lesson to constantly learn because you're it's it's a constantly evolving process, you know, the filmmaking, uh, even television, even theater, constantly rewriting lines or re-editing, etc. And uh, even though I had read the script, oh my gosh, there were so many lines and jokes that I didn't even expect. I was, I, I didn't stop laughing. Yeah. So. I'm sure there was a lot of improv in it. Too. <laughs> tons, tons. Um, so I want to talk about that role. I want to talk about all of your roles, but let's bring it back to the very beginning. Okay. Um, you, your first role uh-huh. acting <laughs> was in first grade. Yeah. You played Snow White. Yes. And I know that you were actually very concerned, even as a first grader, that you wouldn't get the role because of your descent and your heritage. Absolutely. Uh, everybody in the first grade, of, I grew up in Milwaukee, everyone in the first grade was white. They were Caucasian, except for me. And then there was one um, Latino Mm -hmm. uh, classmate of mine, Jimmy Lazarus. Why I remember these names, I don't know. But anyway, so I was thinking, okay, we're doing Snow White. And um, I'm like, okay, well, at least I hope I I get a line or two. That's what I was hoping. You know, I'd love to be Snow White. But, you know, why would they cast an Asian Snow White? Snow White has never been Asian. And when they announced my name, I, I screamed. I literally screamed, and everyone looks at me like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but I was so excited. It's crazy how young we become aware of race. Very. Like, was there a certain instance that made you aware, or was it just growing up in a uh, lack of diversity in Milwaukee? <laughs> in Milwaukee. You know, I I can't say a specific uh, instance maybe that highlighted or, or, or illuminated my conscience mm-hmm. or consciousness to, oh, I am different. And I think um, it's just little vignettes, little happenstances through the years where you're like, oh, right. Your upbringing is different. Our cultural heritage is different. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, you just start to realize, okay, well, um, Snow White is white. Yeah. <laughs> Cinderella is white, you know. Yeah. And but I, yay to Miss Malloy. I still remember my first grade teacher's name too. Aww. That she cast me in Snow White. That was this, you know, colorblind cl- casting back then yeah. in Milwaukee. Very progressive. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Very happy. Very privileged. Um, So your background is you're Filipina, Chinese, and Spanish. And the Spanish is somewhere up there in the Filipino roots because a lot of Filipinos, there were, you know, a lot of uh, intermarrying, you know, racial relationships kind of thing. 
uh, in terms of on my mom's side, which is the Filipino side, we have last names uh, Lusabia, Ferrer, Del Calvo. I mean, a lot of different different names. So, yeah, yeah we, we suspect. We, don't, we have no idea what the calculations are, okay. but there's some Spanish in there. <laughs> cool. And um, I know you're a former pageant girl. You Indeed were Miss Illinois, and you were also named the first America's Junior Miss who was of non-Caucasian descent. Yes, and I was, I was so blessed and taken aback. Uh, I will have to say that with the Junior Miss program, um, I had never felt any sort of racial divide, which I really appreciated growing up. I was a high school senior at the time, and um, I, I just sensed a very open-minded philosophy among all of the volunteers, among the entire organization. So when I was surrounded by that kind of, you know, vibe. Uh, I I had it as a possibility. You know what I mean? In my head. It wasn't my, like, oh, my gosh, so I'll never mention my name. You know, yeah. I, I, I knew it was a possibility and I was really gunning for it. So, <laughs> What did winning that title mean for you? Uh, you know, it's so funny because at the time, at the time, I wasn't sure I wanted to be an actress. Um, I knew I wanted to, and it's going to sound really Pollyanna-ish, but mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to impact the world in a positive way, help a lot of people um, live happier lives. I just did not know how it would be or what uh, do in what capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it might be as a politician at the time. And yes, at that time, I had no idea how difficult politics was. <laughs> but winning that title, um, having that opportunity to represent young women, you know, across the country. Oh my gosh, it opened so many doors and it, it helped me. I mean, I traveled not only all over the country, but all over the world representing the U.S. And I like to think opening people's minds to what an American teenager was. I mean, it wasn't necessarily just someone, middle America, blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, uh, mom and pop kind of whatever, ice cream parlor type, whatever, um, leave it to beaver. You know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. necessarily that. We are the melting pot or the salad bowl, potpourri, whatever you want to call it. And I was part of it. So it was fun to help promulgate that, that face. Yeah. How did you get into pageantry? That's funny because I was not one of those girls who grew up going, oh my gosh, I want to have a tiara on my head someday. You know, uh, what happened was the high school that I went to in Milwaukee, Divine Savior Holy Angels High School, um, all girls. <laughs> so that way I could concentrate more on my studies and not yes. get distracted by boys. So, um, they had a history of a lot of people um, entering the Juniors program because the Juniors program uh, awards scholarships for college. And my, DSHA, for short, uh, really, really, you know, pushed and encouraged their girls to to utilize their talents to get as uh, as far as possible in the educational system as possible. So, in fact, the very first Wisconsin's junior miss who became America's junior miss also was from my high school. Okay. Yeah. So Diane Wilkins, I believe her name was, and then so so we're talking. There was a history. So people knew that I could play the piano. I was getting great grades. I was outgoing. They're like, naturally, you're going to enter the Junior Miss program. I'm like, right, actually, <laughs> what is that again? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. the, it was kind of this thing where everyone, and and I, the year before me, there was a Milwaukee's Junior Miss from, from my high school. Before that, it was uh, another Wisconsin Junior Miss. So we just had a lot of very talented, very intelligent young women that went into this program. So that's literally, I think it was other people's expectations that led me to it. And then I thought, okay, wow, this sounds like a great opportunity. What about your parents? Because I know that they they value education and pageantry is a lot of like it has a stigma where people think that it's more beauty than brains. Yeah, that was actually a big concern of theirs at first. And what they really liked was that the Junior Miss program didn't have a swimsuit competition. I was really happy. They didn't but Miss have- Illinois. <laughs> Miss Illinois. <laughs> did. Yes. <laughs> I graduated to that. Yes. <laughs> but they were happy, you know, being a young, young woman, you know, a teenager that they weren't necessarily, uh, sh- well, ju- I'll just call it like it is. They weren't selling the sex, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, they weren't uh, looking at that kind of, or, or uh, Junior Miss doesn't, um, and it's now called Distinguished Young Woman. They 
don't emphasize so much, oh, how pretty are you? How great do you look physically? I mean, that's not what they emphasize. And my parents really, really like that. There's such a huge, in fact, um, there's a huge emphasis in Distinguished Young Woman slash formerly Junior Miss um, on grades, on community service, on your creative and performing arts talent. So they they believe in all of those emphases. Yeah. And um, you ended up going to Northwestern University, a very prestigious school for um, economics. Yes, and political science. I double major. Yeah. Uh, I like I said, thought that I wanted to be one of the presidents, female presidents of the United States. Yes. My plan at, at some point in high school was that I would run for Congress, then Senate. I would have probably 2.5 kids. Sometime uh, after the age of 35, I would run for the presidency. That's what I wow. was thinking. Okay. I decided against that. <laughs> Once I saw how challenging it is. And, uh, you know, the the infighting that can happen a lot. I'm not someone who likes bipartisan uh, fighting. I, I don't like that. I, I, I don't like confrontation. Um, I may play characters who are great at confrontation, but I don't like confrontation. So I, I like more diplom- d- diplomacy and things like that. Um, and so I, at the time, thought, okay, political science and economics would be a great major. Um, And it was a good, uh, shall we say, compromise between me and my parents because um, they had always taught me that I am first generation born here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And they are definitely of the ilk that, um, you know, become a, a, get your MBA, become a lawyer, become a doctor, do something very, very professional that will make good money on a regular basis. Yeah. And that artists starve. Mm -hmm. So, I knew that I couldn't major in theater, otherwise they disown me. At at that point, did you want to major in theater? I did. And in fact, I remember camping out at Northwestern, like all of their departments are very, very competitive, and in particular, the theater department. And I remember I wanted so badly to get into this acting class, Bud Byer. It's like everyone loved him. I had audited a class. He was amazing. I'm like, I'm going to study with him. I slept overnight outside of his door to be able to be the first person to register. (laughs) And he just said to me, point blank, that's really nice, Chudy, but you're not a theater major. I'm not going to let you take this class. I can't. Wow. I was like, oh, okay, not even as an elective. And you know what? I understand. That's the politics of the system. I mean, it makes sense. His his course was so in demand. Of course you want to have theater majors, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, attend or take his class. But that's when I was like, mm, okay, so I'll study with somebody else. I found what I what I managed to do was kind of minor in performance studies. Mm-hmm. That was my way of getting a theatrical training of sorts. It was rather um, theatrical and analytical, uh, analytically based uh, training while majoring in political science yeah. and economics. What originally drew you to acting? Um, you know, in terms of performing. And making people happy, um, I started with classical piano. And I, what I love, I was actually how I was taught by my uh, teacher, Mrs. Clara Saylor, who is now unfortunately deceased, but her son has carried the legacy in Milwaukee on, uh, they have incredibly talented um, piano students. And what they teach is telling a story through the music. And so I've always been taught to think like that. You know, what is the story you're trying to tell? Uh, uh, You're taking people on a journey and you affect them. You you affect their sensibilities. You affect their heart through music. And I kind of look at uh, all forms of theater, television, film, um, and entertainment, for that matter, taking people through that journey. And that's what what I love about it. Mm -hmm. So you ended up deciding against going into economics and political science. I know you actually got accepted to Columbia for grad school and you turned it down because you realized that you wanted to pursue acting. What was your parents' reaction in that moment? My dad didn't talk to me for two months. Really? Uh Yep. I'd call my mom and she would be a little terse with me, but my dad was like... "Mm." 
not going to talk to you. He was very disappointed in me. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wasn't was not a popular decision with my parents. And to this day, I mean, I think parents everywhere constantly worry about their children, but especially if their child, no matter how old they are, have a somewhat uh, sporadic, uh, tumultuous career choice that makes them worry. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and are they supportive of you now? Very much so. They're very, very supportive. It's supportive of, of both me and my husband. They're, you know, rush out and go see something that we did. They'll tell all their friends, Aww. our family, our relatives, you got to go see the internship. You got to check yeah. out Raising Hope. You got to check out whatever. Yeah. So it's it's great. I think they realize, wow, this can be a le- legitimate career choice. What was the turning point for them? Or did you, you have to have a talk with them? Um, I did. You did. I actually did. I want to say I had a talk with them about, you know, real heart to heart. And I think it was harder to have it with my dad than with my mom because, um, you know, I think everyone has one parent who seems a little bit more um, stubborn. And that, in my case, would be my dad. <laughs> my mom's a little bit more, uh, shall we say, uh, soft-spoken and maybe more flexible. Goes with in the her- flow. Yes, goes with the flow. <laughs> a little, Just a little bit more. Um, and I, I had to say, Dad... Thank you for your love. And dad and mom, thank you for your love and support. I understand that you want what's best for me. And you need to understand that what my true calling is, is to act. And that's the only way I'll be happy. And I know you want me to be happy. So I I still remember his face going, That was pretty much his response. (laughs) But from then on, he was not constantly like, oh, did you try this other job? You should apply here. You should do this. You should do, you know, he, mm-hmm. he, he got it. He took it in. Yeah. How long after college did you make the move to LA? Oh my goodness. Um, how long after college? Hold on. Let me think. Um, it wasn't right away because I, I pursued kind of the governmental side of my dreams. I, I worked at the U S Institute of peace, uh, in Washington, DC, Right after graduating from college, and I, uh, I took acting classes out there. <laughs> so it was after that that I moved to LA. Chicago actually. I'm has- sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. My 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 memory fa- <laughs> fails me. I moved to Chicago. <laughs> Funny you should say that. Yeah. Chicago for a little bit, and then to LA. Okay. Yes. And. I was going to say Chicago has some great acting schools as well. Phenomenal. Second city. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. And Steppenwolf, the mm-hmm. Goodman. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And, and uh, while I was doing theater out there, met and worked with some amazing actors, writers, directors, uh, which I, I always feel that you can study. Mm-hmm. And, and that this goes for, gosh, law, medicine, you name it. You can study, like, you know, books and whatnot, but it's until you apply it in the real world that you really start learning. Yeah. What did you do at the Institute? Oh, uh, I was a program assistant for the research and studies program. I can't, I don't know why this is all coming back to me. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) so I actually, you know what I loved about it? Um, I've always been interested, like I said, with diplomacy or helping people understand a different point of view. Yeah. Excuse me. This thing just kind of assaulted me. Mm. (laughs) Um, That's why I like acting because, I like to portray, you know, a story and help people understand that particular journey that, you know, maybe it's something that someone didn't um, consider before. Mm -hmm. Same thing with diplomacy, uh, mediation, conflict resolution. And that's why I wanted to work at the U.S. Institute of Peace. And so I helped with uh, editing papers. I helped run conferences and things like that. But I realized what I wanted to do was actually be the one influencing and being the one helping people understand, you know. So if I'd say if I weren't an actor, I'd love to be um, a diplomat, an ambassador, um, an international mediator. That's what I'd love to do. That's so cool. Um, so I know before moving to L.A., you didn't just study acting, but you also studied the business side of the industry. How do you think that helped you prepare for your move? Well, I I think... What's interesting is um, it is a business. They don't call it show play, Mm -hmm. show part-time, show whatever. It's show business. And we need to remember that. Um, I think it's a lot 
easier for us to understand the whole business and be less affected by by the like you know what's what's popular of the day or like it, not being cast for example um in in a project that you really love uh it's easy to take it uh, um take it personally if you don't look at it from the business side of things if you realize okay when it it comes down to numbers cents can you sell it uh, will it make money it doesn't just happen for free you know what i mean i there's always summer stock in the park for free <laughs> but apart from that i mean you need money because it is a business so i think it it helped prepare me and kind of toughen my skin a little bit yeah and a lot of actors do focus on solely the craft as opposed to the business. Why do you think that that's wrong, I guess? Well, my heart goes out to them because actually that I would love to do that. Just only concentrate on the craft. Mm-hmm. I would love yeah, to do that. Because that's what you're passionate about. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And that's why we're drawn to doing that. And I, I do want to make a little plug for, let's say, other governments around the world where they have subsidies, grants, programs. I mean, so much more, shall we say, generous than here <laughs> in the U.S. I mean, you'll, that's why you see, you know, films in the theater uh, partially uh, funded by such and such fund from the U.K. or, or what have you. I mean, they, they're very supportive of the arts in other parts of the world, particularly Europe. Uh, so... I would love it if the U.S. would follow suit at some point. <laughs> but you're, you're absolutely right. It, uh, I think it's very important to, to study and nurture one's craft because mm-hmm. that makes sure that you, you get better. Yeah. And that's why we're in this. Yeah. And do you have any tips for someone who's you know, moving to L.A. in pursuit of this dream? Uh, number one, always be true to yourself. And listen to um, what your gut tells you, what your inst- instincts tell you, because people will tell you what you um, what they might want to market you as, or you should do this, you should do that. I that's something that would always bother me when people go, "Oh, you should fill in the blank." And half the time, I'm like, "But you don't know me. Yeah. You don't know what runs me, what my life experience is, what I'm drawn to." So you, I, I would say, just. Stay true to your path, to your dreams, and to be smart about it. Don't get sidetracked by the parties, the having fun, the beach. <laughs> Discipline. It's so easy. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, it, it would be so much more easy to go, oh, I don't feel like doing my scene study. Let me just go tan at the beach. You I know? always joke with my friends that, like, when I moved out to L.A., it seemed like no one had jobs because there's traffic at noon. And, you know, you go to a bar on a Wednesday night and it's completely packed. And totally. the beach is always packed. And it's it's hard to, you know, if you don't have a job a full-time job, like if you are an actor or host or, you know, somewhat involved in the industry and you have some time off, to not focus on your work. That's exactly it. That's a, yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. it. And I think that is probably the biggest um, time sucker, mm-hmm. you know, is that non-disciplined, uh, you know, the the beach, the, the extracurricular activities, if you yeah. will, you know, shopping, what have there's you. there's so much going on here. Always, nonstop. So mm-hmm. literally, the you know what I like to do, and, and my husband Oscar says is the same. Uh, says the same thing is do at least one thing every day for your career. And what I I like to expand it to one thing every day, um, one for your craft and one for the business because they're they're different. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So you moved to LA. Were there any surprises once you moved out here? The traffic. I had <laughs> how is that a no surprise? Idea. Well, I I just had no idea how bad yeah. the traffic was, and I I had encountered bad traffic in Chicago, but not like this, yeah. where like there's no reason. And I guess what it is is there's just so many people, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and another surprise, and a, a, that that was that's a more negative surprise. A positive surprise is how open minded. I think everybody is. And the, the diversity of cultures, backgrounds, philosophies, I felt right at home. Because I can tell you in the Midwest, I'd be like, gosh, I feel like a weirdo. You know what I mean? And yeah. out here, I'm like, yeah, I can do anything. 
And someone else has probably done it before. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's probably someone, you know, I could think, say, do anything, and someone else probably be like, hey, yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah. So. so what was your first apartment like when you moved out here? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I was so lucky. My first apartment was like Melrose Place. Really? We got along. They were like, um, in fact, to this day, wait, tonight I am going out with one of my friends from that first apartment complex. That's crazy. It's it's so awesome. Uh, and we we would just, we'd have potlucks, barbecues. Someone had a breakup. We'd be there to be be at her side and support her. And someone else graduated from grad school. We're all there supporting him. I mean, it was it was really cool. I, I, I enjoyed those days. Yeah. <laughs> you were lucky because I know there are a lot of horror stories about people who move out here and just... I've heard them, too, where it's like, you know, maybe small town or just smaller city to L.A. And you just like the weird characters that you can come across, you know. Yeah. I was not privy to that, at least not in my first apartment. You're very lucky. (laughs) Um, So your first major film role was alongside Mini Driver in Beautiful. This was also Sally Field's directorial debut. And I know that taking direction from someone who has been on the other side of the camera must be different. So what did you think of working with Sally? I was flabbergasted, first of all, because, uh, you know, her her pedigree and her awards and her experience just precede her. I was just like, oh, my gosh. So literally just being in the same room, at first I was really nervous. But I remember we would have rehearsals because there was a lot of dancing involved and, and whatnot, and... She just got down, dirty, normal, down to earth with us. Just she really human and vulnerable. She would tell us war stories. We're like, oh my gosh, Sally's amazing. She's <gasps> just amazing. You know, she it just in being that normal and human, she she elevated herself in all of our minds. And um, one story that I love to share is we were shooting at the um, no longer existent uh, Schubert Theater. I had to play this very difficult list piano uh, piece, etude, and um, my arms were cramping in between each take, and Sally would be like, okay, great, cut, take two, go again, great, cut, take three, and meantime, my my arms are starting to cramp, and my literally my fingers started to look like, I, I, I was going, oh my gosh, I can't play again, and one take we literally had to stop because I could no longer play. And Sally's like, cut, cut. Chudy, is everything okay? And I explained to her that in between playing this very um, difficult piano piece, I I needed some rest um, that, so maybe could we find a PA, a a production assistant somewhere to help like massage my arms? She's like, oh, okay. She started massaging my arms. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I was like, wow, that's amazing, you know, yeah. and I was like, really, you don't have to, we could find a piece. She's like, no, this is important. Even with all of her accolades, she's not a diva at all. Kathy, I was just so taken aback. I'm like, you are amazing. Oh. I'm like, could someone take a picture of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, that's the kind of of people I just aspire to be and to work with. Yeah. You know, and it was kind of life imitating art since you were a pageant girl the the movie was about pageants and you played piano yes it was perfect and but you know what's funny is what state did i portray miss hawaii (laughs) and what was neat though was mini driver play uh played the illinois and you played miss illinois or or yeah whatever her uh, title was at the time so i thought that was kind of neat Mm-hmm. And uh, did you do you think you were cast in that role because of the experience that you had, or was it? I think it helped. Yeah, I definitely think it helped. And then I, you know, there's an element of luck in everything because I I believe that just having also been on the other side, having to cast projects, you realize okay, you look for the chemistry of how everyone fits together, racially, essence wise, personality, you name it. I remember. 
Um, I, I actually think what helped me was the fact that I played piano. Um, and and well, it wasn't going to have to be a made up ridiculous talent mm-hmm. uh, because they were looking for like that as well. <laughs> exactly, or or packing a suitcase or something ridiculous, yeah. you know. So uh, yeah, I think that really helped. So you've done a variety of different roles. Which do you think has been the most challenging thus far in your career? I'd have to say the one that I wrote for myself, uh, Pretty Rosebud. It's uh, it started actually as a catharsis for me, um, and it started as a a play at first, and then I changed it to a screenplay. And what happened was I was going through a very difficult time in my marriage, um, my first marriage, and uh, which later on led to divorce. And I was trying to figure out a way of of dealing with all of those issues and whatnot. So I put it on paper and I also used my imagination. So it's not autobiographical, mm-hmm. but it has some elements and some issues of what yeah. I was dealing with. Uh, and the reason why it was so challenging, I think, is um, portraying a character's, uh, the character's name is Sissy, her vulnerability um, and that that whole instance of having to to not worry how ugly or vulnerable um, how unappealing one may come across mm-hmm. and as an actor I, I don't think of that but even um, as as a writer you want to make sure that it's not a completely unlikable character yeah. you know and so uh how I attack every single role is to is to bring out the humanity. You know, I, I'm not worried about, oh, is it, I hope I look okay, or I want to make sure I'm, I'm pretty, or you know what I mean? It has nothing to do with, with the role. Uh, but this one, this character makes some, shall we say, unorthodox choices. So I think that made the role even more challenging. Mm-hmm. It seems like writing it was very cathartic for you, though. Very, very. And I, I... I suggest anyone uh, going through some sort of challenging time in their life uh, to get it out. It doesn't have to be a screenplay. It can be poetry. It can be a novella. It can be music. A lot of people do that. But uh, I think some of the best art comes from when we have no filter mm-hmm. and you know I, we just get that pain, that, that all of those emotions out through some sort of venue. And you said that Pretty Rosebud was originally supposed to be a, a play, then it turned into a screenplay. You have done every sort of medium. You've done television, you've done theater, you've done films. What do you enjoy the most? I would say, at this point in the game, film the most. Because what's really, I mean, I, I enjoy every single one of them. For example, with theater, it's great because you have the live audience to feed off of. And it's, in a way, even though you have um, lines, you know, you have the script, there's an improvisational feel to it. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel like film almost takes that and mixes it also with television, which can be like, okay, we only have this amount of time. And, you know, it's, it's just much more. Yeah. So much more uh, regimented, scheduled, etc. Um, it kind of combines both of those two things together. And thank God, like with film, you know, if you don't get it that first take, yay, take two. You know? <laughs> it's like re- reset. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the other productions that you worked on was Dragnet with yes. Ed O'Neill and Ethan Embry. We actually had Ethan Embry in studio recently. Oh, very cool. Yes. And... Um, I know working on this production changed your perspective on Ed O'Neill in particular. Um, Totally. And that is one of the things that I know I've experienced too, is when you see someone on TV or you grow up watching them and then you meet them in real life, they become a real person to you. Has that experience ever happened in other instances? In other instances, well, first, you're so spot on with the Ed O'Neill Mention because you know I had seen him on Married with Children and suddenly in L.A. Dragnet he's like serious and and intelligent, articulate, on the ball, all of that stuff and kind of you know a hard nosed, uh, tough ass kind of guy you mm-hmm. know and so that that was really neat to see. Um, I want to say a lot of actors I couldn't pinpoint one per se. Well, you know what? 
I am going to just do a quick shout out. My husband. <laughs> okay, so if you look at him, it's, it just cracks me up. He plays all of these bad guys. Mm-hmm. And, and even my parents, oh my gosh, like they, they saw some of his work before he met Os- they met Oscar. And, Oscar uh, Torre. Oscar so Torre. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Oscar Torre. Fellow, fellow actor. <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, and then when they meet him, they're like, oh, he's so nice and he's so funny and he actually smiles. And <laughs> so it's so different, yeah. you know. It, um, and it's, it's not that he's never played funny, uh, vulnerable guys who smile, but like it's, you become known for something or, mm. or a lot of your roles are one way. Um, so it's... It's. I love that. I love that about this this industry and about this craft. That people can be completely different from who you you think they are. or You see them on screen. Oh, completely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and um, now Sally Field, though I have to say, because she plays so many, you know, uh, heartfelt, well rounded, you know, like the strong women who've struggled but then become victorious in the end. That was definitely the essence she brought on set to beautiful. You know what yeah. I mean? Like hard worker, on the ball, all of, you know, all of that. So that that wasn't like a, a drastic difference. But I'm going through the people that I've worked with. I, I want to say the biggest one would be Ed O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So up until very recently, there have been very few roles for Asian leading actresses. And I mean, I, I always talk about this, like there's Lucy Liu, there's Jamie Chung, or yeah, mm-hmm. there's like there's very few Moon Blood Good also people. Yeah, yeah. And do you find that frustrating at all as an actor? Yeah, I do. I do. Um a Sandra O oh also. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there's it is frustrating especially because it's so funny. Um my husband and I went to a party yesterday and we were we looked at the people around the table and it was extremely multicultural. And I Every time that happens, you know, and even in the Midwest, my brother's sister's parties, you know, they're like that as well. It's like, why isn't this depicted on TV or in film? And that just highlights the importance of um, that we need people of color or maybe, you know, more open minded people, what have you, being the writers, the producers, the directors of projects. That's when you get things changed. Uh, I'm gosh. Major kudos to Lucy Liu, Jamie Chung, Moon Blood Good. All the, I mean, I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, um, it. How great to have, you know, Sherlock Holmes and Watson not only be a female, but a non-Caucasian. Woohoo! Yeah. I, I, when I saw that, I just about flipped. You yeah. know, I'm like, yay. And, I mean, that's my reality. Mm-hmm. I don't have, I, not all my friends are Asian. Not all my friends are white. There, it's a huge combination of every single background. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see that represented more in the media. Yeah. And it seems like now, very recently, we're getting more and more roles where it's like open to any ethnicity. Very much so. And I have to say, especially because of my background, um, I tended that the, that's when I got my break. So, for example, uh, Miss Hawaii. Although you know I do look Hawaiian, so that that hook, line, and sink that that matched. But they weren't necessarily looking for someone who had to be Hawaiian yeah. or looking Asian. Um, being half Chinese and half Filipina, I can't even tell you how many times I go into an audition opportunity, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, but we wanted a real Chinese person." I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, because I have brown skin and, you know, like what? oval eyes or yeah, almond eyes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, but I am. I am I am Chinese and I can speak Chinese. You know? yeah. but, but what they were looking for was the more stereotypical idea of what a Chinese person would look like. I don't get that as much now, but especially towards the beginning, I was still getting that. So we did an episode of Chatting with Kathy with your husband, Oscar Torre, and I asked him a very similar question. There is a debate in the industry over whether talent should marry another talent because they find it easier to, you know, discuss auditions and the long hours and everything else, or whether talent is better suited to marry someone outside of the industry. Uh, So obviously you two are married. Uh, What are the positives that you have found from being married to a fellow actor? Basically, we're like two peas in a pod. And I would say that it's not just because we're both actors. I mean, we've been blessed because our personalities are very complementary. We're not exactly alike, but 
Thank God. <laughs> Otherwise, then we would be lots of fighting. <laughs> yeah, but it's. It's it's amazing. We can lend support. We can help each other with audition opportunities, other opportunities, uh, acting, you, uh, you name it. Um, we help each other work out issues. We have ideas, especially if you marry someone who's outside of your industry. They can't fully, fully understand what you go through. Mm -hmm. So that's a blessing, I think. The audition process is so difficult to explain to someone. I mean, I know that I have problems with that, you know, explaining it to my mom or my friends back home. Absolutely, absolutely. And and it becomes uh, just an unspoken understanding. Mm -hmm. Oscar gets it. You know, we we don't even have to go there. I'd, I'd say that's that's the biggest positive. And then also, I, did, I just thought of this. Uh, we recommend each other for, for, for projects, for roles. We collaborate. It, so in terms of networking, it's, it's kind of like uh, multiplied. Our efforts are multiplied. Yeah. yeah. I have friends who, um, they're couples in L.A. They're both in the industry. And it seems like sometimes they do get jealous over, you know, like maybe one couple, one of the 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 people in the relationship succeeds and the other person struggles a little bit more. Have you ever, you know, faced that challenge? You know what? I would say anyone who hasn't faced that challenge isn't human. Because seriously, I love how, how can, honest you are about that. Seriously, it's like how can you not? I and my whole family, my husband, they all tease me because I have this thing in me. It's like, what about me? You know what I mean? Like Oh, you know, when I I still remember growing up, like I, I I have that that gene, we'll call it, or 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 characteristic in me. I'm like, I want to play too. Yeah. You know, it's just so you can't help but feel a little of that. I think it would be a mistake to one deny it and pretend it does it doesn't exist. Um, and but I don't fuel that. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, you know what? I'm human. I get it. Everybody has their time in the sun. Life is a cycle. Just and then and then I laugh at myself. Yeah, you know. And then sometimes I'll talk to Oscar about it. He'll laugh at me too. <laughs> <laughs> and you know we we move on. And then then that that gets the elephant out of the room. Mm-hmm. And you can be like, okay, great. Let's now let's go to your premiere. Yeah. Now let's go to yeah. Let's whatever. And I have to say, you guys are so cute together. Thank it, you. It seems like, like you guys are very supportive of each other. Very, very. I am blessed. Mm-hmm. I am very blessed because um, he is a man who understands my foibles. We'll just put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> uh, so I know that you guys, you mentioned earlier before we started taping that you have cats who are kind of like your babies. Yes. Any plans to have kids in the future? Now, I will be very honest, mm-hmm. no. Really? No. And uh, we both have wonderful nieces and nephews uh, that we adore. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we, we love kids, but I know that our lifestyle, our schedule, everything, I would not be comfortable personally. I mean, and this is my choice. I, yeah. He might explain his, his side a little bit differently, um, but we, we agree on this, that I don't feel like it would be fair to a child or children um, if we don't put them first. Because I do believe they should be put first. Mm-hmm. And knowing that that wouldn't happen, it's like, okay, it doesn't make sense. So I, people always go, oh, your children would be so beautiful. I'm like, that's not the only reason to have children, yeah. you know. And that takes a lot to actually say and admit that you want to put your kids first if you did have them. And you know, putting that off because you know that that wouldn't, you know, be the best thing for them. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm more than willing to be the happy, supportive, loving, crazy auntie. (laughs) You know, I'll babysit, take them for, you know, a couple days, whatever. That's great. Mm -hmm. But I just know it would be best for me and also for our, our marriage to not. Yeah. And I know earlier in the interview, you actually said that you wanted kids, like the 2.5 kids and the everything Earlier. else. Yes, because I, at the time, mm-hmm. also, you know, when you're you're a lot younger, it's like you make dreams, you dream up stuff that you have no idea what the consequences or what you have to pay to get them. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, it's not that easy, is yeah. it? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Once I found out how difficult it was, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm rethinking this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I always thought I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have kids when I'm like right out of college. And then now it's like maybe a decade from now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, let's push it off. Now's not the right time. Yeah. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your role in the upcoming movie, The Internship. Okay, so the internship. I just have to do a shameless plug for them yes. because it's it, it's just so much fun. And I love these kinds of kinds of comedies where people poke fun at themselves. Mm-hmm. That's what this does. And especially with in this day and age, um, technology is constantly moving and improving and changing. Uh, people of all ages, no matter what, like they're they're constantly feeling behind the times. That's what it's making fun of. So Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, they're these 40-somethings. And and then there's all of these young youngsters, college-age kids, and they all are interns at Google. Mm-hmm. And it's hysterical. In fact, I to this day, I'm still saying lines from the movie, and the movie hasn't even come out yet. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's just so funny. So one of the interns, Yo-Yo, is my son. Mm-hmm. And I am very shall we say, overbearing, controlling, and just domineering. Like, you know, you need to study harder. Don't drink. It'll, you know, affect your brain cells and make you make you more stupid and blah, blah, blah. And, and so he's he's very henpecked. He's kind of, uh, he's not very confident. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, I what I like is that, that it's a little bit of a stereotype, especially for Asians. But what's nice is that they, they do some things with it in the movie that... Uh, you end up really rooting for him at the end. So, Did you draw from your parents at all or your upbringing on how strict they were? A little. (laughs) A little. But then, you know, I multiplied it times 50. (laughs) You know, it's comedy, so you got to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that comes out actually this Friday, June 7th. Any other upcoming projects? Well, the biggest one that I am so excited for, because I have some, some... projects. Um, I'm constantly working with writers, directors uh, for, for new projects, and of course always auditioning. Yeah. But uh, there's a horror horror thriller that that um, I'm in the works uh, negotiations with, and, and actually I'm writing some other projects, either by myself or with my husband. But Pretty Rosebud, we are doing the film festival circuit right now, and I'm um, very, very excited about that because it's my first produced screenplay, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's my baby. That is a a very big achievement to have written a movie to star in it. I mean, congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I know it's, it's, I I tell people it's like having a baby, getting married, buying a house, and starting a business all at the same time. You know, so I, through it all, especially in the pre and during production, there wasn't a lot of sleep to be had, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so you plan to write more? Yes, very much so. Um, any aspirations to get behind the camera at all? or Very much so. Uh, I was actually inspired by watching my husband, Oscar, uh, direct because I – we both didn't know what to expect because he's a first-time director, but he has such a great sensibility as an actor that he translated it to be able to create, not just with, with the actors he was directing, but with the other, all of the other people on the team, be it editor, costume designer, sound, you name it. And I was like, hey, that looks like fun. <laughs> I'd like to try that. Uh, so I think that might be further down the road. But definitely to write and produce other stories. Uh, because I there are so many stories that I'd like to tell. And it doesn't necessarily uh, have to be dealing with someone who looks like me. You know what I mean? Like it could be an... It could be an all-male octogenarian cast, but if I love the story, I'll want to write it and or produce it, maybe even direct it. Mm -hmm. So even though you have an impressive list of acting roles, are there any roles that you would want to see yourself in that you haven't gotten yet? You know what? I would like a really kick-butt role, kind of like a mix between Laura Croft and uh, Sigourney Weaver in Aliens. Okay. Like, you know, save the world, but show vulnerability, um, show that maternal instinct a little bit in there, but um, kick major butt. That sounds cool. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like how I see a lot of women nowadays having to juggle 
a job, their kids, the traffic, the finances, and then like, oh, who was it? Charlize Theron in the movie uh, Hancock with Will Smith. Yeah. Kind of like that because I was like, oh, my God. She has to do everything, save the world, and then here, kids, here's dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I make just, Jason Bateman happy. Exactly, that's exactly it. It was like, okay, yeah. You know, I think a lot of women can understand that mm-hmm. multitasking to the nth degree. Yeah. So moving forward, what do you hope to still achieve in your career? I would take what I just spoke about, you know, that that kind of role, you know, tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. But I think there are a lot of issues, one of them being women's issues mm-hmm. and um, and especially globally. We're so lucky here in the US. Oh my gosh. If you think about it, um, we have not had the right to vote for a hundred years yet. We meaning women. Oh my gosh. That seems so weird, doesn't it? Yeah. And then you look around the world where women can They don't have the right to wear what they want to wear, marry who they want to marry, read, for God's sakes. And so I would like to do more and more projects that help empower women in some way. And actually, our our first project out the gate, Pretty Rosebud, does do that. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of helps um, encourage people, not just women, but in particular women, um, to maybe go against the traditions that they've been brought up, and follow their heart. That's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So, shameless plug time, anything else that you would like to promote? Um, Well, for sure, internship. Yes. Please see the internship (laughs) over and over. June 7th. (laughs) And buy it. (laughs) June 7th, exactly. And then to watch for Pretty Rosebud in, uh, we're definitely going to go around the country with different film film festivals. Mm -hmm. Um, And then. Are you uh, planning to release that independently or? Probably. We're we're not sure yet. We're we're waiting to see, you know, how, how things pan out and whatnot. But yeah. Pretty Rosebud. So actually, um, on Twitter, it's P Rosebud Movie, Twitter, and then the the Facebook page is just Pretty Rosebud. But for me, it's um, my personal Twitter and Facebook. It's just Chuty Two. So C H U T I T I U. Cool. <laughs> Definitely follow her. Follow me and see the internship June seventh. You can follow me on Twitter at Catherine Kelly. And just a reminder: if you're watching us on AfterBuzzTV.com or watching us on YouTube, take thirty seconds, go over to iTunes and subscribe. Just type in AfterBuzz to the search bar. You can find all of the Chatting with Kathy episodes. And take two more seconds to rate and comment. Uh, five stars would be amazing. <laughs> and um, we will. Talk to you next time, I guess. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Kathy. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Afterbuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the Afterbuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz. Buzz. See you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal. 